You know, my father was really good with cars. He could take an engine apart, put it back together. He was a great mechanic. He knew how to fix almost pretty much anything. Unfortunately, he did not pass down those skills to his boys. So, someone can come to me and say, hey, you know, Pastor Mark, man, your car looks like it needs some repair. Guess what? We're going to give you the best tools around to fix your car. And I would go into the garage, and you know what I would do? I would say, whoa, these are nice tools. Nice. I can make sure the tools are dusted, and I could make sure they're all in their proper place. But here's the thing. If I don't know how to apply the knowledge of those tools to fixing my car, I may have all that I need to fix it, but I don't know how to apply it to my life. So my problem is not a problem of having what I need. My problem is applying what I need to the problem. This is Moody Presents, featuring the teaching ministry of Moody Bible Institute President, Dr. Mark Job. And Mark is also the founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. You know, we've launched a message series that's all about staying on target with God or asking, do I have what it takes? And this is something we're going to explore deeper together over the next several weeks. But as we start today's message in 2 Peter chapter 2, you're going to meet a very unlikely church leadership candidate. And before we get started, just a bit of background on the book of 2 Peter. First, Peter writes to the ordinary person, like you and me, right? Second, this is a great reminder that you don't need degrees or huge talent or abilities to change the world. But let's get started with our Bullseye Living series, asking, do I have what it takes to make it with God? Here's Pastor Mark. All right, I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Peter. It's 2 Peter, which is found towards the end of your Bibles, right before 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. For those of you that are new to your Bible, it's the second letter of Peter. Peter wrote two books, 1st Peter, 2nd Peter. And yes, this is the Peter that's known in the New Testament as Simon Peter. Now, I love Peter because Peter was just a regular, ordinary guy. You know what he was? He was a fisherman. What he was good at was mending nets, Casting fish. Have you ever been around fishermen, like the guys that, you know, work with their hands? I have before, and they're kind of a rough crowd. You know, they smell like fish. They're out in the sea a lot. They're not very sophisticated in their speaking. They're, they're, they're just, you know, down-to-earth, good old people that make their, uh, their living off of the ocean. And it's not a glorious, glamorous job. It's just a hard, tough job. Peter was one of those guys. And he had this incredible, impetuous spirit. He's the guy that when he saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, hey, this looks great. Jesus asked me to come to you. And he jumps out of the boat while everybody else was safe and secure in the boat. He starts walking on the water, and then he starts drowning. So he goes from walking on the water to drowning, and Jesus has to go pull him out and say, oh, you have a little faith, Peter. How long do I have to be with you? He's the guy that when, when Jesus was being arrested, remember what happened? Peter pulls out his sword, chops off someone's ear. Jesus says, okay, I've got to clean up after this guy. Puts his ear back on, heals him. You know, that's Peter. Peter's the guy that 
Jesus said, you're going to deny me and leave me. And he said, oh, no, not me, Jesus. Oh, man, I'll go with you to the death. I'll follow you all the way. And Jesus said to him, before dawn comes, you will have denied me three times. And sure enough, Peter denied him three times. And one time he cursed and cussed a little bit just to make sure people didn't think he was a follower of Jesus. So Peter was this impulsive, big-hearted, God-loving fisherman. And God decided to make Peter one of the pillars of the early church. And if you think this morning that God can't use you because you don't have a degree in theology, and if you think that, well, I I don't know that much, I'm not sure God can use me, I want to say that God loves to use ordinary people that have an extraordinary encounter with God to turn the world upside down. So never disqualify yourself because of your background because God loves to use people that others would say, no way, and God has an incredible way of doing that. And Peter, this fisherman, ends up writing two books in the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit, very powerful books, and I believe his message is to the ordinary person, and the first question that Peter answers is for people that are asking themselves this question, Do I really have what it takes to make it with God? Well, that question is going to be answered. So it starts in verse 1. Simon Peter. It's interesting to me that that Peter uses his old name and his new name. His, His old name before he met Jesus was Simon. When Jesus met him, Jesus said, Peter, he said, Simon, son of Barjona, your name is going to be changed to Peter. Because... Simon was real up and down. He was like a roller coaster. He was, more like a, he was more like a weed. And Jesus said, you're going to be like a rock. So your name now is going to be rock. You know, I, I love that because oftentimes God speaks to our life in faith. God spoke to Abram and said, your name is going to be Abraham. Abraham means the father of a great nation. You remember how many kids Abram had when he changed his name to father of a great nation? Zero. He had no kids. Imagine introducing yourself. Hi, what's your name? My name is father of a great nation. Oh, wow, you must have a big clan. No, none. (laughs) But by faith, I'm believing that I'm going to have a lot of kids. And, and, and Peter the same way, uh, Peter was very unstable. He wasn't a solid, foundational, rock kind of guy. And Jesus looked at him and says, your name's going to be Rock. I know people don't think you're a rock right now. I know you look real unstable right now. I know people would not call you that. But by faith, I'm calling you Rock. Because I believe your life is going to be stable and strong, really stable and strong in God. So... I'm wondering what the Spirit of God is calling you today. I'm wondering what name God is speaking into your life when everybody else is calling you something else, but God is saying, but you know what I'm going to call you in faith? I'm going to call you what you're not yet, but what you're becoming. I'm going to speak into your life what others don't even know you are, but in faith, I believe that you're going to become. I believe that's the way God works. So... Just so we're reminded of who he was, he introduces himself and says, my name, hi, this is Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. 
To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So he says, I'm writing to other people that have faith as well. He introduces himself and he gives a greeting that was a common greeting in those days, grace and peace. I love that greeting. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Sounds better than, hey, what's up, dude, right? Grace and peace. Just, just sounds deeper than that. And you know, why, you know why he says grace and peace? Because I believe grace and peace are two things that we really need in life. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Peace is the inner contentment that we need in the middle of trial and tribulation when we know that God is on the throne and no matter what comes at us, we're going to be okay. Grace and peace. So he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, this word knowledge, 11 times in 2 Peter you'll find the word or a derivative of the word knowledge found there because Peter puts a lot of emphasis on knowledge. Knowledge opens up doors for you. Knowledge of God opens up doors for you for things that you need. It's the key to unlock the closets of God's warehouse that you need for your life. Now he jumps in the content of his letter and he begins in verse 3. This verse, by the way, those of you that are taking notes or those of you that feel free to write in your Bible, this verse needs to be underlined in your Bible. This verse, if you could grasp it and understand it, could change your life. Let me read it slowly to you. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Wow. Mega truth. His divine power. Whose divine power? God's divine power. Divine means from deity, means from God. God's supernatural this is not talking about natural power. It's not talking about uh, fuel and power. This is not talking about uh, nuclear energy. It's not talking about uh, electrical power. It's not talking about how much you can bench press. This is talking about his divine power that's the greatest, most powerful force in the universe, the power of God, the power that created the heavens and the earth, the power that rose Jesus from the dead, defeating death and sin, the power that breathed in the man and made him a living creature. His divine, supernatural, out-of-this-world power has come down and has landed on your life and has given you everything, not some things, not partially, not 20%, not 30%, 100% of all that you need to live out your life and to live out your life in godliness. 100% provided and supplied for your life. What he's saying is that God's supernatural divine power has deposited every single thing in your life that you need to live out to your utmost potential what it means to be a follower of God. Wow. That should answer, do I have what it takes? Now here's the thing. The problem is you say, well, pastor, I don't feel like I have all that. I feel like I struggle a lot. I feel like I'm not making it. I feel like I go forward and then fall back. 
Well, how many of you know that there's a difference between having what we need and knowing how to use what we need? Uh, there's a difference between having what we need and accessing what we need. We'll learn more about how to connect to that divine power in just a moment. This is Moody Presents with Mark Job. Glad you're here because this is the first week of our new message series, Bullseye Living, Staying on Target with God. We're glad you're with us, and we'd love to connect and hear how this program is encouraging you. So take a moment and send an email to moodypresents at moody.edu and just say hello. Also, check out our website at moodypresents.org. There you'll find our program archives, resources to further equip you in your faith journey, and ways to partner with us to keep God's Word boldly coming to you on air and online. Go to moodypresents.org. Well, knowledge is a huge key to unlocking access to this divine power that Mark's been talking about. What do you say we return to his message now on Moody Presents? You know, my father... Uh, was really good with cars. He could take an engine apart, put it back together. He was a great mechanic. He knew how to fix almost pretty much anything. Unfortunately, he did not pass down those skills to his boys. So someone can come to me and say, hey, you know, Pastor Mark, man, your car looks like it needs some repair. Guess what? We're going to give you the best tools around to fix your car. I mean, that we're going to give you a, a, a garage full of tools to fix your broken down car. I mean, they're the latest, the best. I mean, we're going to, and I would go into the garage, and you know what I would do? I would say, whoa, these are nice tools. Nice. My car would still be broken, though. I can make sure the tools are dusted, and I could make sure they're all in their proper place. But here's the thing. If I don't know how to apply the knowledge of those tools to fixing my car, I may have all that I need to fix it, but I don't know how to apply it to my life. So my problem is not a problem of having what I need. My problem is a problem of of applying what I need to the problem. Are you tracking with me? Uh, Some of us feel like we lack something in our life as believers, and I wanna say you don't lack anything According to this verse, Peter's telling us you have every single thing that you need to face every trial of life, to be married, to raise kids, to make it in life, to be successful in business. You have everything that you need to be able to be all that God wants you to be. It's latent inside of you. You don't need to access more. It's not that you don't have it. It's already inside of you because of God's divine power deposited in you. It's there. You may not know how to access it, but it's already deposited within your being. And how did it come there? All of his divine power has given us everything that we need for life. The word in the Greek is zoe. Life means every general aspect of life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that was the way that it comes to you. The, the door that opens up all of these goodness to you is knowledge. Knowledge of him. Knowledge of him. So you have all that deposited inside of you, but it comes to you via the knowledge of him. The more that you know about God, it comes, the key that unlocks the door is the, is the word knowledge. 
you know about God, you learn about his promises, you grow in your knowledge of who he is. The Bible says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. You see, unless we have knowledge, we can't access what, and this is knowledge of him, knowledge of the word that describes who he is to us, knowledge about the things of God, the word of God, the principles of God. And here's what he says. So, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, he called us, we didn't call him. I, I understand oftentimes I hear new believers say, and maybe, and not so new believers, uh, say, well, I found God. And I understand what you mean by that, but let me tell you, it can't be more wrong. You didn't find God. God was never lost. God has always been calling out to you and calling your name via the Holy Spirit since you were a small child. When you were in your mother's womb, the Holy Spirit still loved you and called out to you. Through your entire life, God has been giving signals and signs of his existence to you and calling your name and he's done it through people and through messages and through things. He's awakened you in your spirit so you knew something was wrong before you came to know him. He's been calling out, reaching out to you so you don't find God. God has found you and you simply respond to the God that's been reaching out to you. That's the way it works. Who called us by his own glory and his goodness. It's out of his glory and goodness that God called us. Listen to verse four. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. You see, the word of God, if you read scripture, the word of God is full of promises. From Genesis to Revelation, there's promises. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. I will never leave you or forsake you. See, a promise is God's word that he's going to follow through on something. Oftentimes, a promise is conditional. If you do this, I will do this. Uh, seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. You see the promise and the condition? The promise is that God will draw nigh unto you if you draw nigh to him. If you take a step closer to God, God will meet you where you're at. That's a promise. It's based on a condition that you're willing to draw nigh to him, and he will always meet you there. So the word of God is full of promises, and it says, through these, he has given us this very great and precious promises so that, in his promises, so that through them, you may participate. And now here's the next big bomb. Listen to this. Not only do you have all that you need to live your life in godliness, but the second thing that he dictates to us is that, through his promises, he has made us participants in, look what it says, in the divine nature. And let me explain that for a minute. He has made you participant in his divine nature. Now, what is nature? Nature indicates origin. You say, well, what's the nature of that? You're asking, where did that come from, right? If we find a pig, we take a pig, and we get a pig out of a stable, and we clean up the pig, and put detergent, scrub that pig down, 
and we put a little pink bow on that pig's ear, and we spray a little J-Lo perfume on that pig, and we say, okay, lady, now you are one classy lady. I mean, you are civilized, and now you used to be a pig, but now, oh, you are one gorgeous thing. And you're never going to go back to being a pig like you were. You have transitioned to a whole new level. And we keep that pig in a clean corral, and we keep that pig in a clean environment. We may think that we've made some real progress in changing the behavior and nature of that pig. However, if you are to let that pig out of that clean environment, and you are to let that pig loose near the pig farm, when that pig sees a mud puddle full of gook and mire and slop, the very first thing that pig is going to do is going to make a beeline towards that place of muck and mire, and it's going to throw itself in there and roll around in it and snort and, and carry on and get mud caked all over. Why? Because that pig still has a pig's nature. And you may clean out the outside of a pig, but you do not change the nature of a pig by changing its appearance on the outside. Hear me well. A lot of our flaws in Christianity is that we try to change people from the outside. Most religion is directed at behavior modification rather than nature change. And and most religion is directed at how you can begin to behave differently and act differently even though you're not different inside. Christianity is not about behavior modification. Christianity is about changing the very essence of who you are so that your nature is altered, and when your nature is altered, then your behavior, your likes and dislikes and destiny and what you want and desire are changed as well because nature alters destiny and nature alters what we like and what we don't like. Now listen to me well. This is really, really important because a lot of people miss it here. A lot of people have been down the road of religion and ended up very frustrated with religion because they've tried to conform to standards that aren't their own. If religion could save you, Jesus would have never come. You see, the Old Testament was a bunch of rules and laws that reflected the glory of God, but the law told us, in essence, that no one could measure up to the law and that we would fail because of the law. And if you read through the Old Testament, you read through Leviticus and and Numbers, and you read in Deuteronomy, there's laws about what you can eat and shouldn't eat, and what days you can do this and can't do this, and about oxen and about your animals and about this and that and the other. There's all kinds of rules and laws that are given there. And what the law did is the law taught us that none of us could be made right with God through religion. And that's why we had to enter into a new covenant and a new testament. And that's why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come because religion in and of itself could not save us. And what Jesus did when he came 
The Bible says that Jesus is the second Adam. And he's referred to as the second Adam. Why? Because the first Adam was born of God. And what does the first Adam and Jesus have in common? That they were both born without a sin nature. You see, Adam was born of God, created by God without a sin nature, and it wasn't until he sinned that he developed a sin nature, and ever since Adam and Eve sinned, they've passed down the sin nature to every generation after us. I don't care if you're from Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, we all are descendants of Adam, and one thing that we all have in common is that we all have been given, you are born with a sin nature. No one has to teach you to sin. It comes naturally to you. It's the focus on the inside that counts. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for this first message in our brand new series. Part two of Do I Have What It Takes comes your way at the same time next week. But you know, you can listen to this message again right now or follow along in our Bullseye Living series at moodypresents.org. If you've come to rely on the teaching of this ministry, why not think about becoming a Moody Presents partner? Your support will help cover the costs of bringing this practical Bible teaching to you day after day, week after week. The truth is we rely on our partners, no question about it. So if you'd like to become a Moody Presents monthly partner, head online to moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. And a quick reminder that if you decide to give $30 a month or more, you get a 50% discount off the entire Moody Publishers catalog. That's huge. Half off all of our Bible studies, Christian living books, DVDs, children's books, and more. So again, head online to moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger, encouraging you to join us again next week for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.